just in your own personal life, there are things that come in that try to steal your joy. Um, maybe uh, just nor- normal normal life. Uh, maybe you, you look forward to the day where, where you were blessed with children, and that blessing soon uh, turned into sleepless nights. And although you were still joyful, there were times where you're like, boy, I wish I could just get a full night's sleep. And then you start to get that, and then there's a lot of noise in the house, and man, I wish I could get a lot of uh, some peace and quiet. And then as that goes on, then the house becomes quiet again years down the road, and man, I could use a little noise in the house. And there are constantly things that try to come in just in normal life, not even bad things that try to take our joy. But then there are things in life all around us when we're, we're looking around that want to come in and steal our joy. Um, there's so many things. You turn on the news, you, you see uh, things that try to steal your joy and frustrations, uh, people trying to take freedoms away that we know and love. And, and that, can, that can really get us worked up. Um, we learned this afternoon that uh, Kobe Bryant uh, passed away in a helicopter accident. And he, man, there's so much destruction and even accidental things that come in and try to steal our joy. And as Paul writes in Philippians, he is writing to encourage the believers there. Now, he's not writing to a group of people that everything was going their way, that Because you have been blessed with everything, because I know your life is going exactly the way that you want, Paul himself is writing as he is sitting in jail, and he's writing, and a major theme in here is joy in living, joy in living. So uh, if you will join with me as I read in Philippians chapter 1, I will begin in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first time until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, 
not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now Christ also will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am, I am hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all. For your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word tonight, I pray that your spirit would truly be our guide. Lord, I thank you that we have your word that we can look to, that we know it is, that it is true. I thank you for uh, your spirit's promptings in our life, and I pray that you would just give me the words to say, uh, that you would be the one that is leading. Lord, I pray that you would fill our lives with the joy of you, that it would be evident to all that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Paul is writing and encouraging the believers to have a joyful life. Um, as he's sitting here writing, he is not saying, okay, I am in need of this, I am lacking this. He is, he is showing them how to live out a joyful life, even in the midst of trial. And that is, that is uh, something that is placed before us as a goal for all of us to live. There will be trials that come into life. There will be temptation. And uh, James talks about that trials, that God is working through those trials. But in all of those, God wants to manifest the joy of the Lord. So we want to look tonight of how to have joy in life, how to have joy in life. We can have joy in life by knowing that we have a higher purpose, knowing that we have a higher purpose. You know, most most uh, people today, if you were asked to ask them, do not have a purpose in life. What is their goal? Oh, maybe it might be. I guess to make money, to retire one day, to, but they don't have a, a meaningful purpose. And Paul never got away from what God had called him to do, what God had called him to do. And God has a purpose for you and I, you know, just as we've been encouraged to plant seeds, whether through these cards that we have or just in conversation, God has has a purpose for each of us to play in that, in the planting. Uh, growing up, we would, we would always plant a garden, and many times it would be either in planting the garden or weeding the garden. Okay, you do this row, you do this row, um, and so we would see what was laid out in front of us, right? And you always wanted to be the first one done, not because of competition of saying you were first, but just so you were done doing it first. So you could go and, go and relax. We each have a row that God wants us to plant. 
There are people that God is bringing into your life that he wants you to plant that seed. God has placed a purpose, just like he placed with Paul, a purpose uh, before him. And we need to know, okay, what is my purpose? What, what has God called me to? What is my purpose? A purpose is something that will give you motivation. Um, if you've had, and this is a, a little plug for doing this, if you haven't had anybody into your home recently uh, to show hospitality, that will give you a purpose for your house, right? If you've had somebody over into your home recently, you're like, okay, we need to get this done. We want this done before company comes into our house. Okay, we need to get this picked up. It gives you a motivation, right? There's a purpose in mind. Uh, coming up this summer, uh, the Olympics are going to be taking place. Those Olympic athletes have a goal, have a purpose in mind. They have training that is taking place. Um, all great athletes are mapping out so that they are at their peak, as long as no injury happens, so that when they are competing for that prize, that gold medal, they will be able to compete at the highest level. A, uh, a purpose gives us motivation. And sometimes uh, we almost, we don't know, okay, what should I be doing? Um, a purpose also helps us develop our potential. Um, I think of, of a great example of this would be the Iowa football program. You know, here, here locally we had a, a local football star come through. And he had great potential, but when he got to that next level, they helped him develop that potential to become something even greater than many of us around here could ever have imagined. So a purpose will help us see and also develop that potential. So what should my purpose be? First and foremost, to know Christ. You and I were made for relationship. Not only human relationship, but far beyond that, you and I were made for relationship with Jesus Christ. But as we know, sin came in and broke that relationship and brought separation. Since God is a holy God, he could not take part. He could not be part of sin and broke that relationship and separated us from God. But God, in his great love for us, sought to bring us back into his family and sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross that we might have forgiveness of sin and that we might know him. Now, in knowing Christ, it begins at salvation, but that should not be that should not be the end. That should be the beginning point of our getting to know Christ. And on Sunday mornings, we've been hearing about knowing Christ and we will continue to be going through of the attributes of God, of the more that we know him, the more that we will love him. So our first purpose is to know him, and we know him through his word. But then our, our purpose is to encourage other people in their walk with Christ. Paul frequently publicly encouraged people. Uh, he said, I give thanks to God for you, for your life. Um, a great way that we can encourage people is writing them a simple encouragement card. I know I think some of the groups, maybe all of the groups on Wednesday were uh, were handing out encouragement cards. Maybe it was just a few. But uh, here at the church, we, we have those available. Grab those. Write a quick note to somebody. Uh, it's such a blessing to get a note saying, hey, just wanted to let you know I've been praying for you this week. Paul, 
his mission was to encourage the believers to walk more closely with the Lord. Uh, in our New Morning Mercies book yesterday, it talked about to speak the truth in love. And he said, truth not spoken in love ceases to be true because it's bent and twisted by other human agendas. So in encouraging others, speak the truth to them in love, not making about our own agenda, but trying to encourage them in their walk with God. You know, each of us have an enemy out there that is trying to get us discouraged, trying to get us to quit. Uh, Maybe if you played sports, maybe you had a rivalry team that you played against that if they could get you to quit, then they had they had succeeded big time. Um, some some teams you play are big trash talkers, right? They they talk a lot. Why do they do that? Arrogance. They do it because they want you to they want to get in your head so that you want to give up, you want to quit, or you'll lose your 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 spirit and and get back and get penalized for something. We have an enemy that is constantly out attacking us trying to get you and I to, to quit. Oh, it's not worth it. Oh, don't, don't spend time in God's word today. I wonder, I wonder what, what's happening in the news, right? Oh, I wonder what's happening with, with my sports team. I wonder, have, have they signed anybody new? He's constantly trying to get our focus off of what our purpose should be in knowing Christ. That's why it's of, of such importance for you and I to encourage one another to help us point our focus back to Christ. But Paul stayed true to his his purpose of sharing Christ. Preaching Christ, however, in verse 12 down through verse 14 that we read, he said, but I want you to know that the things happened have actually happened to further the gospel, that even in my chains, uh, the, the whole palace guard know. Now, you can imagine that as Paul was was chained, chained up to a guard, he was using that opportunity to plant seeds. You know what? If you're going to be if you're going to be next to me, I'm going to use this opportunity to plant seeds. They knew what his purpose. His purpose was to know Christ and to help as many others know Christ as possible. So we asked the question, if someone were if you were chained up to someone for a day or a week, if you were in Paul's situation, would they come away from that saying, man, that person has a purpose and it's to know Jesus Christ. And they couldn't stop talking about him. They were constantly telling me how great this God is that they that they love and serve. And would you be able to say that like Paul did, the whole palace guard uh, knows that my chains are in Christ. They weren't the ones that were keeping me there. Christ is the one that placed me there and he has a purpose for it. In 1 Peter 3, it says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of the reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. So be prepared. Do your work ahead of time. Know Christ, so that when they ask you, you are prepared to answer. That you're ready to give a defense of what you believe and that you should do it in meekness and fear. Uh, and fear. Uh, meekness is strength under control. So it's not, oh, I'm going to, this is why I believe, I hope you, no. It's the power of God 
controlling your life. So be prepared to share Christ. Um, but then uh, Paul's purpose and how you can have joy in life is live to bring glory to Christ in life or in death. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can't read that verse without thinking of uh, Steve Piggott and how he would, he was at family camp, uh, how he would always read that verse. But to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I think of Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They could have secretly bowed down and as the king said, you need to bow before us when you hear this song, everybody bow. And I was just thinking, I don't know how many people were in the crowd, but I can just imagine the three of them kind of look at each other of like, what are we going to do in this situation? Are we going to take a knee? Are we going to, I don't, I don't know if they, they thought about it very long, but it says that they did not bow down because they were not going to worship a false, false God. And I can imagine as everybody knelt down here, here they are standing there. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever been, had this happen to you in church, but you, you think you hear Jason say, let's stand for the singing of our next song. And you stand up and you look around and nobody else is standing. It's happened a few times here in our church. And that moment of what is going on, I thought I knew. And, Hurry, sit back down. Maybe nobody else saw. As these three stood and everybody else, they didn't know what was going to be taking place. But they were living out what Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And as they came before and knew that they were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, um, I love how they, they say, our God is able to save us. They knew that they were going to be saved one way or another. Even if their life ended in that fiery furnace, their God was going to save them. They said, we know that he can save us from this fiery furnace, that he is all-powerful. He can do anything. But he, if he doesn't choose us, choose to save us from this, we will be saved from your hand. We're going to be saved from you one way or the other. You are not the ultimate authority here. And they were living out for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, and I love how, how they're thrown into the furnace and it was so hot that the guards perish. And there they are standing. And I'm, I'm just imagining here they are. You know, they did not know exactly what was going to happen. And they're cast in there. And here they are. Nothing is happening to them. And it says that appearance as the son of God was there with them. And I can imagine that the glory on their faces as they looked about seeing what God was doing. We knew that God could save us and he has come through and it says that their clothes did not even smell of, of smoke nothing had had come on them a great working of god that showed clearly the king that god was more powerful than any and it brought him to see the greatness of god so to have joy in life uh know what your purpose is to know christ but then choose gratitude Choose gratitude. Uh, Dennis Prager said, choosing to be grateful is the key to happiness. Um, I've, I've heard him talk about every day I have to choose to be grateful. It doesn't come naturally. I, I, I physically make a choice every day. 
I'm going to choose to be grateful. Well, I don't feel like it today. It doesn't matter. I'm going to choose to focus on uh, the blessings that, that God has given. Uh, Paul says that he give, is giving thanks to them. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests with you for you with joy. As I think about you, I am giving thanks to God for you. So as believers, we ought to choose every day to be grateful. We have the most of the whole world to be grateful for because we know Christ. My sins are forgiven. I have a home in heaven. Choose to be grateful. But then how to have joy uh, in life? Paul says in verse 5, by working together for the gospel, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, that's why uh, working together in different areas, um, I think of summer outreach programs that we've done, um, how sometimes it's almost more of a blessing to those working in it and an encouragement working in it than even of the fruit that, it, that comes from it. Because working together with one another, laboring together for the cause of the gospel brings great joy in our life. Uh, we see there's, there's unity that is brought and there's great joy. So sometimes that means getting out of your comfort zone. Well, this isn't really my area that I'm super comfortable with. But this is an area that God is trying to get you to go because he knows that in there you will experience joy as you work together for the gospel. So one way that you can do that is encouraging one another as you're planting seeds. Hey, after church, hey, any seeds that you've planted that, that you want to share with me? Um, any, any, any seeds that I can be praying about this week that you're, you're planning on, on planting? And seeing how God is working not only in your own life but in others brings great joy. Um, but then how to have joy in life, obey God's will for your life. Obedience in theory is simple, right? It, it's simple. We know what God wants us to do, but actually stepping out and doing it. Uh, just like children, normally they know what, as a parent, you want them to do. Generally speaking, they know what you're asking them to do. Now, is it easy for them to follow through and do it? Not even close. And, and we're not much different as, as children of God. We know what he's asking us. Oh, I know I should be doing that. I know I should take the time, the two minutes to write an encouragement and send it off. Oh, I'll, I'll do it later, right? Obedience in your life will bring great joy. Seeing how, how God is working in you and how God is using you. So, Obey the promptings that God is bringing. Then how to have joy, invest in the lives of others. Anytime our focus is on ourselves, it's going to bring uh, unhappiness. It's going to bring uh, just selfishness. It's going to bring uh, depression. And sometimes when we invest in others, it's going to bring difficulty. It's going to bring added stress. And you're like, well, how is that supposed to bring joy? But it's also going to bring great blessing. So in investing in the lives of others, it's not always, oh, just greatness and everything goes smoothly. 
relationship is messy, right? Relationship is difficult at times. There's times when people rub us the wrong way. There's, there's times when people say things to us that you're like, man, I was just trying to help out and that was very hurtful what, what they said to me. But God did not place you and I here to just be consumed with ourselves and, okay, it's just me and God and, and nobody else matters. Paul, as he was sitting in jail, was investing in the lives of the believers. He was taking the time to invest in lives. So whose life are you investing in? Who are you reaching out, getting involved, getting to know them, investing in their life? Not saying, here, let me come into your life and and fix your life for you. No, who is it that you are investing to get to know? Who is it that you are investing in by praying for them? As was mentioned earlier, many of you don't know Cloris, but she has invested in probably all of your lives here. Uh, She's saying, no. She'll call up, now, who is that? Um, Have they been coming there a long time? Um, How can I pray for them? She is constantly praying and investing in your life, even though you don't know her. So who is it that you are investing in their life? But then how to have joy. In verse 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Trust that God is working. This, this brings so much joy in the sense that as you're investing in people's lives, you may not see that God is doing anything in their life. You may say, I have been pouring in and pouring in and pouring in, and I don't see any fruit coming from that. Know that God is working. Just as God is working in your life to shape you, into the believer that he wants you to be, God is working in their life as well. God is the one who began a good work in you. Uh, God is the one that gave you life. He is the one uh, that created all things. He gave you life, and in giving you life, your life is precious. Not because you're something, oh, I'm so wonderful, I'm so special. No, because God is the giver of your life, and it is precious. And that's why every life, we can see every life is precious. Why? Because God is the giver of life, and it says that we are made in his image. That's why it's so important for us to take a stand for life, to defend all life, and because it is made in the image of God. And, and we should take a stand for that. So God is the one who began a good work in you. So that should bring us joy from the standpoint of, I may look at my life and I may say, this is not where I want it to be. This is not where I want my walk with God to be. But God is continuing uh, to work. Um, there's, there's a song that says, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Um, we are a work in progress. God is personally working in your life. Now, some of that is bringing trials into your life to help shape and mold you. Those are the difficult moments, but know that God is working, that all things work together for good to those who are in Christ, to those who are called according to his purpose. So God 
does all things well. You may not see that at the time. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing before the king getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace, they might not have been able to physically see how God does all things well, but they trusted God. So trust that God is working. In Ephesians 2, it says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them that he's still working on on me, that you are a masterpiece of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Faithful is he who called you, who also will do it. The faithfulness is in God, not in you, that God is working and he never leaves a job undone. Anybody here have jobs that are unfinished? No, I'm sure you guys don't have any jobs that are unfinished, right? Maybe some that have been pushed clear back that you're like, those are never getting finished. Those are just, we've moved on from that and we're going a different direction. God does not ever do that with his people. He never looks, he's not looking out and, okay, I've, I've done as much as I can do there. <laughs> this is, this is beyond my, this is beyond what I can do with this person. God is still working to shape you. So do you have a life filled with joy? Do you know your purpose, what God has called you to? And are you willing to live for him today? And are you willing to die for him today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be able to have your word that we can look to see who you are, to see how we should live according to your word. Lord, we're so blessed to be able to join together as believers in freedom to worship you, to sing praises to you. Lord, I pray that our lives would be filled with joy, knowing that my sins are forgiven that I have a home in heaven, that one day I will be uh, done with this battle. I will be in your presence where there uh, will be no more tears, no more pain, where we will finally see you. Uh, Lord, when finally we will be perfected in your presence. We look forward to that day, Lord, and I pray that you would help us in the time that you give us, that we would be willing to live for you. That each day we would say that we would choose to be grateful, that we would know our purpose, that we would live a joyful life, that others might see how great you are. Lord, I thank you that you do love us, that you love us more than we will ever fully comprehend. I pray that we might be a blessing to each person that you bring into our lives that we would show forth your greatness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.